0: i got a story to tell you first. Just short of 60 years ago, a friend of mine who was a priest and a professor at CDSP, of ethics nonetheless, told me that this new phase of celebrating the Eucharist every week would not last. Once a month was enough, if that. He went on to say, that the altar would not be moved from the wall. And every church would have a heavy brass cross, like that one, sitting on the altar. That was gonna be it forever. But of course, there were a bunch of us also who were in or out of CDSP. And I was teasing the idea of maybe entering the deaconess program, knowing that sooner or later they would become deacons and maybe priests. I probably shouldn't, but I didn't. Um, so there were a lot of us young Turks, both in the seminary and out of the seminary, because we were only about two blocks away. And things were changing. The altar came out from the wall, the Eucharist came in, and the ladies got busy sewing chasms. Many parishes even managed a mid-century, mo- kind of modern, not-too-bloody crucifix. Oh, this was shocking. Last week, we celebrated James coven who in 1870 fought for a return to the ancient practices of the Church, and that included the centrality of the Eucharist. Now he got in trouble. He was proposed for a bishop a few times and was never approved of. Today we have John Keeble. He never got in that much trouble because he never aspired to the to the episcopate. He was a professor of poetry at Oxford, and we'll go into the Oxford movement, but he was very thick with them. And he spent most of his time, you remember the reading from Romans, this could describe his life as a pastor. He was a good vicar, as his father had been. He took care of his people, he visited schools, and he kept teaching at Oxford, it wasn't that far away. He did make his mark. He was ordained in 1816, so that gives you a time frame. Born in 1792, ordained in 1816. In 1823, he published a wildly popular book called The Christian Year. It was intended to bring people through the year to teach them in poetry, in pious poetry, how the world worked how the church worked. I think it's how the world works. But he made his mark at the opening of the uh, uh, Assize, with the Assize sermon. That's the opening of the courts in England. Uh, We have something similar with the Red Mass before the opening of the uh, Supreme Court. So they had a, a service, and he was invited to be the preacher. Oh boy, did he preach! He preached a sermon to all the great men of the courts of, of the uh, national courts of England, the, the uh, uh, whole English system, which he titled The Nation's Apostasy where he denounced England for turning away from God and for regarding the church as a mere institution of society. Well, that sounds pretty much like the fundamentalists today, but that's not what he was preaching. He was preaching for a return to the ancient practices of the church, particularly the Eucharist. That sermon kicked off the Oxford Movement, and the three great figures of the Oxford Movement were Keble and Pussy and, of course, John Cardinal Newman, who finally gave up, threw in the town and became a Roman Catholic. So what was this all about? We don't have a long memory, Well, we do. We have a memory in this country that goes back to about the Civil War. I mean, a, a passionate memory. Most other countries have memories that go back hundreds and thousands of years, and they keep their anger burning. English people hated Catholics. You want to know how bad it was? In 1960, there were real questions whether a Catholic named John Kennedy could be elected as president. There was that much hard feeling even then. In the ni- in 1990s, I was in a parish with a priest who'd come over from the uh, Roman Catholic Church, and there were people in the parish who despised him because he had been tainted by the Catholic Catholics. There were hard feelings... And what was the hardest feeling of all? All that stuff on the altar with Jesus being in there and eating. There was real prejudice. So an attempt to say, this is where we should be, was a very radical and dangerous position to take. But the Oxford uh, movement did it. the Tractarian movement was also kicked off by that sermon about the nation's apostasy, and the tracts were—they were either free or you could get them for the smallest coin a poor person had—and think they, they, uh, day by day. They—they they were reflections and formation tools for the ordinary people to get them hooked into what it is that they swore at baptism or was sworn for them, and what it is to be alive and muscular Christian. So this was a renewal movement, but it was a renewal renewal movement that was really based on what what did we hear in in the uh, gospel. Jesus was saying is that there is the temple synagogue church and there is I am son of God nothing is wrong with the temple synagogue church we need to have a place to gather we need to have a place to be reminded we need to have a place to read and discuss scriptures. We need to have a place to be fed and uplifted by the body and blood of Christ. This is not something we people try in storefronts and on, on the street. It doesn't last. This has lasted for 2,000 years. Right or wrong, all the problems it's had, this has lasted. We're not throwing that out. Jesus went and prayed in the temple. But what he was saying very clearly to the leaders of the religion who were coming to him to uh, dispute him was you have to accept me, Jesus, and embrace that as a reality if you're going to be part of me and God. If you don't believe in it." And what he's saying, that's the rantings of a madman, a possessed one at that. And if he's not mad, he's a blasphemer, and he should be stoned. Those are exactly the charges that were made against him. His statement was that radical. That's exactly where the people who were still living by the rules and the society and what nice people did and what you did at Temple and what you did at the synagogue were saying. He's off the track. Well, the Oxford Movement wasn't quite that radical, but to a lot of people it felt that way. What Chasus was saying was not a political statement. We're doing a great deal to say, well, he was making a statement against the empire. That's true. But he was also making a statement about where your focus should be and where your faith should be. That's true. So the Oxford Movement people went back and looked seriously at scripture. Remember, they were all very educated and they were hanging out together. Most of them were on faculty, they were all ordained. And they kept going back to the words that we call the words of institution. When you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. When you drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. We look at remembrance as you find an old birthday card, you kind of remember the party. That's not what remembrance means. It certainly doesn't mean that in Hebrew. The word in Hebrew is zakar. It's a memory that does something. It's a memory that becomes alive in the present moment. And they were saying, That's got to be what the Eucharist is really all about and why it needs to be at the center of our lives. At the altar, time, space, vanishes. And we are entangled through time with Jesus at the Last Supper in the bread and wine. It's a present act. It binds us to him and his mission. Remember the grand of God in the world spread the word? It also binds us to the cross and to emptying ourselves into Jesus as Jesus did for us and it opens us to the fullness of the resurrection. And with that comes the love of God and eternity. Death has no sting. But it comes with the help of regular sacramental communion. The church today is going through another one of its periodic Massive sea changes. In many ways, and I hate to say it because I know how many died and how many nearly died, that pandemic was a kind of funny gift. We got slapped up the side of the head. Things can change. Guess what? You can't go to church on Sunday. What are you going to do now? And now that we're back together again, we're all scratching our heads and having committees and and, and focus groups and, oh, whatever. Trying to hear the spirit and see where God wants the church to be, where the ancient church can remain and where we can meet the needs of today. We owe a great deal to these 19th century reformers who proclaimed the prompting of the Spirit in their day. Taking on the institutional church as it was. Some of them getting into a lot of trouble. As I said, um, people Managed to keep his head down and was a wonderful and loved vicar, just like his father. Not everybody, like DeKoven, was so lucky. Although he spent a good lifetime being a good vicar, too. But he got his slaps from the the hierarchy because he wanted to change. This is part of what we do when we're finding the spirit. There's no blame on either side. These men drag the English church, kicking and screaming back to the altar of God. You see, Anglicanism has always been the via media, and that means that we will always swing back, back and forth between tent revival fundamentalism and high church high mass. And there's always gonna be a lot of pushing and shoving. It gives God the Holy Spirit room to touch us and to let us grow. It is not a comfortable church to be in. You want comfort, you go become a a Calvinist or a Roman Catholic. But we're not a comfortable church. We're a church that seeks God's Word and it's always shifting. If we can remember We'll be fine if we can remember zakar in its full meaning of remember me. And that Christ died for us in our redemption. And as it says in the the collect, Christ died for us in our redemption. So feed on them in your heart with faith and with thanksgiving. So, thank you, John Keeble, and all your friends. Thank you for being a good pastor and an inspiring, if not breathing, poet. Thank you to all those who have struggled to maintain the ancient ch- church in all its glory, renewal also of religious, uh, religious communities. This all happened about the same time. And let us go forth to pray together and to receive together with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.